0: Previously on, see you in another life, brothers. Oh,
1: another day in prison. Man, this is the
0: worst. Guys like us got nothing to look ahead to.
1: That's depressing.
0: Why would you say something like that? It's from Of Mice and Men. Don't you read? Uh, no.
1: How can I read when I've got the warden breathing down my neck? He just keeps dropping apples and making me pick them up. And he's only taken like a bite out of most of them. Who does that?
0: Well, you, you never ought to drink water when it ain't running. What are you talking about? It's from of mice and men, don't you read?
1: Would you quit doing that? Can't you see we're at the mercy of a cruel, sadistic warden? who is only interested in manipulating us and turning our loved ones against us and making us pick up all these apples. So many apples.
0: It's just like heaven. Everybody wants a little piece of land. I read plenty of books out here. Nobody ever gets to heaven. Nobody gets no land. It's just in their head. They're all the time talking about it, but it's just in their head
1: bro that was that was beautiful. Where on earth did you come up with something like that? Oh wait
0: it's from of mice and men don't you read? I gotcha
1: that's it I'm breaking out It's every man for himself. Hello, and welcome to See You in Another Life. Brothers, we're back for another app. Can you believe it? Can you believe we're back?
0: I can't believe it. I thought we would just stop it. you know, three season three episodes. That's it. Yeah,
1: I know at the beginning of when we were going to start this podcast, we talked about, like, let's just go to season three, episode three, and then stop. I know we were committed to that, and we we kind of made a pact like you know it's we're going to feel like going past that but i feel like further instructions is just the perfect ending spot
2: mhm mm-hmm.
1: i know we're kind of going back on our word and our pact that we made but you know i feel like i feel like we made the right decision
0: i i yeah i think it's now i think it is the right decision initially i was just so captivated at the idea of you know ending the show with Desmond looking off into the ocean yes. perfect
1: it's sort of sort of poetic isn't it you know it's like mm-hmm. it's sort of kind of like a beautiful almost like a almost like a soprano sort of ending maybe like yeah. uh, we just cut and we're like <laughs> what happens next does Desmond know the future and who knows well you can make up the rest of the series in your head.
0: ahead yeah it's perfect it's perfect
1: but instead we'll keep going so to all you listeners out there who are expecting us to end I apologize but Here we are at Every Man for Himself, Season 3, Episode 4, Sawyer-centric episode, only the fourth Sawyer-centric episode in the series. It's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to believe that we only had one in Season 2. There's not many Sawyer-centric episodes in the whole series, right? This is really the last...
0: This is the last one until Season 5 with Lafleur.
1: You could call it the brig... A Sawyer-centric episode, even though um, it's it's an unusual. But yeah, it's the last one where we kind of focus on him, and we have like flashes. I mean, it's flash. It's, I guess it's flash. I don't know what you call that. Season five flashes, flash sideways, but um yeah, this is the last Sawyer flashback episode. Hard to believe, but this is it.
0: We're we're kind of getting to that point, you know, since they you know since so much shifts after season three but it is weird to be like oh yeah this is the last like straightforward flashback we're we're gonna see the last flashbacks for some characters coming up you know mm-hmm. it's just crazy
1: yeah and sawyer's you know sawyer's whole story arc is off island stuff it's pretty simple it's mm-hmm. I, I think they were like well this is this is it this is the last story we have to tell of him. And I think it's a very, it, on the surface, it looks very cut and dry. And it is about, you know, every man for himself. And Sawyer's a loner and he's, you know, commenting on that and saying, Sawyer, you you still need people. But on, in another way, I think it, it's really kind of exploring what who who Sawyer is and, and the Sawyer persona and kind of giving us like, it gave me an epiphany as I'm watching the episode about of all things, the nicknames that he, he makes ah. like this, the, the significance of the way Sawyer talks and even the line, every man for himself is sort of like mm-hmm. a, a defense mechanism is the way I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. um, And I, I like that. I'm like, Oh, it, it kind of unlocks the It makes you understand the character more as I'm watching through. So I don't know if you had the same, what did you think of this episode? you were watching it
0: yeah it's interesting because I, I feel like the flashback in particular does mm-hmm. feel kind of straightforward like you were saying yeah. you know it doesn't uh even though there is it's like a twist ending kind of sort of thing um we've come to expect that from sawyer flashback episodes you know Yes. um but i think it's it is a really uh powerful episode as far as what we learn about Sawyer's past in this one, you know, the fact that he has a daughter, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Like I, I had forgotten there, there are certain parts of this episode that I, I immediately think of when I think of the title of it. Mm -hmm. Um, mainly really the stuff on the Island, him, him getting punched and, and the whole heart rate monitor thing. Yes. Um, and there is so much other stuff in this episode that is so interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's kind of a, I, I really didn't, I'd forgotten mostly about most of this episode. And I really, really liked it, um, revisiting it. So, yeah, it's one of those for me, when I think
1: about season three, it always kind of gets lost in like the shuffle of, you know, there's big, like tentpole moments in the series, like mm-hmm. uh, the, the the premiere, obviously, and then I do, because that's the. That's kind of the cliffhanger and then you come back with Not in Portland and it flashes and and you remember the later ones, the Man from Tallahassee and, and ones that are like, these are the ones that you're like, oh man. you yeah. Man for Himself is sort of like, uh, it's in there, but I feel like it's it's underrated probably in, in my mind uh, mm-hmm. after watching it. Not my favorite, not my least favorite, probably in the middle of the pack, but toward the front, toward, you know, more toward... The better episodes of the season, I think, at the end it'll be so. Yep, so let's uh let's dive into this thing, shall we? Uh, flashback stuff, now let's start there. Um, as you're saying, uh, kind of a straightforward arc here. Sawyer's in prison. We, we you forget that Sawyer went to prison, like we were talking about at the end of the last week. So went to prison, yeah, yeah, who do oh, all right, crazy. Um, I guess it makes sense, though, because, I mean, he did uh, take a lot of money from uh, Cassidy and uh, just run off with it. So yep.
2: you can't just you can't
1: just do that.
2: At
0: this point in the series, would we have known like does he mention that he went to prison at some other point? Like, I I don't know if I remember that.
2: Did
1: they bring it up in the in the I never, when uh, he and Cater playing that, never been to prison. I don't think
0: so. That's the one scene I was like, maybe they yeah. did, but I, I really don't, I really don't remember. But it, either way, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to be just suddenly, oh, we're in prison for a flashback. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I like how it begins with, uh, them, you know, boxing, and uh, Sawyer sort of just punching the crap out of that guy. And then they're still friends afterwards. Like, you hit me. (laughs) We're joking. He just decked you, man. (laughs) Crazy.
0: Then he calls him old. And it's just like, pour salt on the wound.
1: That guy's got the roughest deal of any flashback character, probably in the whole series, other than, I don't know. There's other ones that I can't think of right now. But yeah, just getting called old and getting punched in the face. And that's his whole arc on Lost, this guy. Never see him again.
0: That's it? That's all it. he came to do.
1: But the line that he says that I don't, I can't, I couldn't let it go, even though it's kind of just like, I'm like, there's something to, problem is I was following your hands, not your eyes. Yeah. When they're walking down the, the stairs there and I'm like, Oh, what's, what's that? What's there's something to that. And and the only thing I could, as I'm thinking about it in the context of the episode you know, following your hands is sort of, that's what Sawyer gets everyone to do as the con man. He's like, Mm -hmm. you're you're following my hands, but if you ever looked him in the eyes, you'd realize, you know, there's actually a person still beneath there and and there's a weakness. Um, Mm. But Sawyer manages to get people to always look at the hands and not the eyes. I think that's what why they put that in there. Or maybe it's just Mm -hmm. a throwaway line that they're, you know, they have to say something as they're walking down the stairs.
0: I do, I do like the idea of it being kind of connected to like, that's just who Sawyer is. That's so many of his stories is like where we watch the things he's doing Mm -hmm. um, and then the rug gets pulled out from under us because in his head, he was working out, you know, he was playing chess while we're playing checkers, you know? Yes. Um, He's, he's figuring out, uh, several moves ahead. Um, and we've been busy just watching um, his hands at work. Um, yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool connection. I hadn't even thought of it. I, I thought of it just as a throwaway line.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I couldn't let it go. I'm like, there's, there's a reason that to is put good. that in there. Um, but then this next moment where they, they're they introduced Munson also getting the crap kicked out of him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh the line where once again this inmate character he says and I've always I've always overlooked this until like the last time I watched it. He says, if your buddy the warden There's the that that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> they it. they they put it right in front of your face, like, oh Sawyer's so gonna work with the warden. He's not <laughs> if you listen very closely, you'd be like, Oh, okay, he's conning him, so he, he's working with the warden, he's not working against the warden.
0: That-
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was just like, suddenly there it is. I, yeah,
0: I, I love that line because it's so brilliant. It makes you like, you hear that if you're like the first viewing of the episode, you hear that as like sarcastic, Mm -hmm. like your buddy, the warden, you know, and then the second time you watch it, it's like, oh, he's, (laughs) he's going to work with the warden to (laughs) get out of there. It's perfect.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And the fact that the warden, as he's standing up there, he's looking. He's not looking over at Munson. He's looking. You, you get the the sight line is at Sawyer. So he's looking. Yeah. like And you're like, okay, they're working together. If you would, if you paid close enough attention, but I think a lot of people didn't. And they're still mm-hmm. surprised at the end. I just like how they did that. And that was very clever of yep. them. So Sawyer and the warden working together, and it makes these next scenes. The next scene with him and. Munson, a little more fascinating to watch Sawyer at work. You get, you really get to understand how he's pulling the wool over Munson's eyes by trying mm-hmm. to, you know, make him slowly make Munson think it was his idea to get him to move the money. Basically, that's that's the con. Um, mm-hmm. And in this scene, um, I, I I made note. And just you know, because they're fun, but also because throughout the episode, the nicknames uh, mm-hmm. make appearances again and again. He calls Munson two nicknames in the span of two minutes: yeah. Murgatroyd and Costanza. And the point I want to make about nicknames, and I feel like it goes throughout this episode, as I'm watching closely, and like. Sawyer uses nicknames to distance himself from the people he's taking advantage of. Basically, mm. it's like that's the defense mechanism. He, he he can't if he called them by their own name, or if he called anyone by their own name, it would make it a lot harder to be Sawyer. That's mm. why he he's named himself Sawyer because it's just he's he, it's a defense mechanism. Um, so he's calling because he's calling Munson Murgatroyd. He's calling him Costanza, which are. Costanza in particular and that might make my top swear nicknames. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> with the season, but still, I like how they play it. it. It's very intentional. Like they're like he needs to distance himself from these people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good good point. Something I'd never really thought about the fact that yeah he 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 doesn't allow himself to be close to people to be personally acquainted enough. Um to really call them by name, but instead just, yeah. And, and it also builds up his his demeanor of being, like, a not-so-serious guy, being a mean guy. Like, he, he likes to even distance himself in being not liked by people, you know, mm-hmm. by, by calling people nicknames or, you know, to, uh, uh, even sometimes things that are kind of demeaning, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, to, to make himself uh dislikable uh in in their eyes and, and that creates creates an even bigger barrier too so
1: yeah for sure makes it easy for him to be Sawyer because it's like yeah. that's just who he is. Yep. And then the fact that he tells um Munson he says the warden will reach out to your wife use her against you textbook con like he's telling him straight up like this yeah. is how I'm gonna con you, but I'm gonna make you think the warden is doing <laughs> it's just so it's he's playing chess while we're all playing checkers. Um
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's brilliant. It's it's honestly one of those things where it's like it's not a complicated con at all. <laughs> because, no. because it's so easy to do because all he has to do is tell him he has to make the warden a bad guy and the warden controls everything, you know? So all he has to do is say, the warden will do this and then tell the warden do this. That's what he's expecting you to do. And he'll panic, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and he'll trust me because I predicted it. You know, it's, it's such an easy, easy sort of con, uh, when you realize what he's doing.
1: Yeah. And he's also bringing his wife into it kind of, Mm -hmm. and that's the, especially on the island, Sawyer, he takes advantage of people who have care about, like Munson cares about his wife. And the, the idea of her turning against him also makes him emotional, which makes him vulnerable. And Sawyer knows that that's, he's going to be too distracted by that to see. You'll never see me coming. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So the warden plays into it too, plays his part with the that guy who plays the warden, just perfectly cast. Sort of just this big imposing dude who's just super serious. And you're like easy for Munson to be probably intimidated by him and not like him, especially when he says, I don't think I can extend your stay forward. All it takes is one con one call. Yeah. Well done, warden. You played your role beautifully.
0: And he even just, he he walked up with that apple that he took like two bites out of and (laughs) threw it on the floor. It was like it was a prop he was just carrying around.
1: That's the worst part of this episode. Just the fact that he throws away a perfectly good apple that's only got like two bites taken out of it. I mean, I know you're going to play the schnook warden, but come on. Just throwing away a perfectly good apple.
0: Terrible. That's how you know he's a villain.
1: Horrible. You know, a woman died in this episode, and that's the worst part.
0: <laughs> Wait a 2nd got to get my priorities straight here. <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah, Wait a uh, second. I have to reevaluate some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anyway,
1: yeah, so it, the, the trap is set perfectly, and it's... Furthered when in the next scene, in the flashbacks, when Sawyer's sitting there in the, the, you know, when people are coming to meet and Munson's sitting there, I love how he just, you know, kind of smirks at him, continuing to drive it home because, yep, there's his wife turning on him. Everything's Mm -hmm. going according to plan. And everything would go fine in this scene for Sawyer. He'd be fine with everything, except something he did not expect. Uh, Just this, this thrown into the works is it's fascinating to watch this scene. Fascinating Mm -hmm. to watch how Sawyer responds to it. Um, Cassidy coming back from the long con, showing him the picture saying, this is your daughter. Mm -hmm. And what is Sawyer's response? What do you want? Mm -hmm. Sawyer his first instinct is suspicion. His first instinct is, Oh, she's going to use this against me is what I feel like it's ultimately. what That's what he's thinking there right when she does this. And so he can't, he's, he's still, he's got to distance himself from this too, because he can't let her have this leverage on him. Someone he actually cares about. So that's, that's a key word to the episode. I think care, Mm -hmm. um, and so he distances himself by saying she's a baby, she ain't mine, I ain't got no daughter, which by the way means that he's got a daughter.
0: It's oh, a double the double negative. What? What? Freudian slip much? <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway. I I think you're totally right and uh as you're as you were talking about the whole like name uh, uh, nicknames thing made me think about how um how revealing it is that at the beginning of this scene, you know she says hello Sawyer and he's like, it's James Ford. Like yes. I know that you know yes. that uh because you you got it right when you press charges that whole thing. Um, the fact that he corrects her and says like it's my name, like you actually know my real name. Um, why didn't you say it? That sort of thing um that coupled with the fact that he's even sitting down with her um i think when when she's the one who pressed charges and everything and is the mm-hmm. reason that he's there i think does reveal like uh and remind us of the fact that like he actually really did care about her yes, yes. um she actually matters to him um which is really really tragic for the situation they're in um and then I think this scene to me is a guy who uh comes in uh and is being more vulnerable than he has been um in a long time you know like he's in prison and he's going by sawyer and stuff and then he says his real name with her and he even sits down with her and then he gets way more than he bargained for in learning that he has a daughter Mm -hmm. um and that freaks him out so bad that he just flat out goes into denial, which is yes. just like evident in so many other areas of his life. You know, he he distances himself from other people and even his own name. But now he's just saying, like, I don't have a daughter. Like, it's not mm-hmm. true. Um, I think that to me is the most interesting part of the scene. Just not, not even the fact that he's like, I don't want anything to do with you or her. But just saying, like, I don't have a daughter um, is a really interesting uh, reveal for who Sawyer is, the type of guy he is, that he would just say, like, no, it's not true. I refuse to accept it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a complicated
1: thing, the more you think about it, like, because I think in the long con, we do see that he really did, like you're saying, he cared about Cassidy and he... You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when he admits that she was the long con and uh, just it, it's it's killing him to do what he did there. But he has to do it ultimately because he is still Sawyer. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he, he in a way he you could look at it like Sawyer feels betrayed that she, you know. Um, ratted him out, basically, like I thought you cared about me, even though
2: mm-hmm.
1: I conned you, you got to understand that's who I am. I'm a con. We were conning people together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's complicated with her too because you can feel like she she still like when she visits him, and I think we get more of this even in uh, Left Behind. I believe this episode where she's with uh, mm-hmm. Kate and talking about him. Like Cassidy still does care about Sawyer. Yeah, um, and almost maybe like would love to start conning again with them perhaps even (laughs) it's, it's a very complicated thing, but I feel like Sawyer feels like his perspective was validated when she, when she ratted him out, like, and it it goes right into the next scene where he says to Munson, that's why you never get attached. Cause when they care, that's when they can come at you. That's the line of the episode to me. That's Mm sawyer giving his his philosophy of life basically it's like everything bad happens when you care um and i think when you broaden your perspective on that line and you realize it it all goes back to like any good character like batman to his parents dying um (laughs) sawyer's parents the reason they're dead is because Anthony Cooper made his mom care for him, and his dad cared too much about his mom and they bo- and then it just ended in that's it ended in their right. deaths, so Sawyer is like that the con man won basically because my parents cared too much, so I can't care because otherwise it just ends in pain.
0: Yeah, and we're we're watching Sawyer deal with something that is is deeply like personal and human, like the idea that he is a father now um and he's connected to these two other people, you know, Cassidy mm-hmm. and Clementine, like he's intimately connected to these people and um he's trying to figure out what to do about that sort of thing and he's mad about it you know mm-hmm. um but he he's gonna follow through on his con um because yeah. it's it's playing out perfectly with this guy <laughs> yeah in the meantime
1: everything's working beautifully yeah and the line when munson says i saw you with a woman the other day what did she want that that, that line when sawyer responds something i ain't got yeah that made you think well what's he What's he talking about? And it's just it's caring. And Sawyer yeah. desperately just doesn't want to have the capacity to care about his daughter. He's trying mm-hmm. with all his might to say, I don't got that. But he does. And mm-hmm. he just can't get away from it.
0: Yep. So
1: Munson asks Sawyer to move the money. Um the thing I'll say about that moment. It's when, when Munson asks Sawyer to move the money, it's the fact that if you don't help me, the warden will win. the warden will get it all. he'll win. When he phrases mm-hmm. it like that, it reminds me of in as we get into the later episode, when Sawyer says to Kate, we did it, our team it it, mm. it it's Sawyer has successfully made it in Munson's mind, me versus them, sort of like this is a win-lose situation when there's really the, war, either the warden's going to win or you're going to win. Um, and that's how he takes advantage of everything. And so by phrasing it as our team versus their team, it's a lot easier to convince Kate. I think when we get to the Island stuff, like, Oh yeah, it's fine to take advantage of a man whose wife is dying uh, by shocking him. Like we're going to get right. out of this. Like when it's, this is horrible what's happening to this guy, but that's our ticket out of here.
0: Yeah. If you're, if you're only looking out for yourself, um, every man for himself, you know, then it's, then it's easy, um, uh, to see your, your enemies, uh, uh, pain as an advantage to you, you know, and, and that's a really, um, twisted, uh, thing, uh, you know, and, and making them, uh, us versus them and everything like obviously yeah that's that's a twisted way to look at the world and all of that but um yeah it's it just brings me back to that um uh that opening line that you were talking about the i was too busy looking at your Mm -hmm. hands you know and i should have been looking at your eyes like yeah i mean this guy is just like the warden's going to win which is essentially looking at his hands where he's been pointing him to um, when Sawyer is right there, ready to, yeah, ready to cash in on on the ten million, you know, his eyes
1: are on the money, yeah,
0: yeah, his exactly. Hands are
1: pointing at the warden, so yeah,
0: yep. I knew that
1: line had significance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So poor Munson. I, I just think about Munson doesn't exist after this scene. He you goes, know, because he's a fictional character, but still. You just think about what must that have been like for him after this. The Money's gone. His wife is gone. The warden's gone. Um,
0: <laughs> his best friend is gone. It's, it's <laughs> the guy who we thought he could
1: trust. Yeah, Sawyer was his best friend. We we there was deleted scenes in this episode where the two of them start bonding there and they're like, dun, 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 "Tell me about my best friend." Yeah,
0: he, he gave me that cool nickname, Murgatroy, Murgatroy. You know, <laughs>
1: Costanza. <laughs> I wasn't even mad when he called me Costanza. George Costanza's hilarious. (laughs) So yeah, the final reveal. I thought, uh, the one thing I I just thought was kind of funny to point out is that it ends in the, where it began in the the boxing rink. I don't know. It's just, you can overlook that, but I think there's significance to that. Once again, we're back here and he's, Sawyer's winning again. Um, Kind Mm -hmm. of poetic the warden's line, congratulations for it. You lied and cheated your way out of prison. You're a free man significant because, you know, Sawyer is in one way you could say he, he's doing a good thing. He's helping out the,
0: yeah, the, the government, the government and
1: every, the <laughs> warden and you know, he's, he's getting his sentence commuted, but by, by helping, I guess you could say the good guys, I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, and, but he's doing it by lying and cheating, so Sawyer can never, you know, fully escape that. And I don't think he wants to.
0: Yeah, I I have to say this is one of those things where, as I was watching it, um, you know, for this episode, I was like, you know, I feel like when I was younger, uh, like watching this for the first time, I feel like I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I was like, like how, how did. Do- how does he get out of prison by, you know, like, I feel like I just didn't understand that, you know, oh, like, he made a he made a deal, you know, mm-hmm. if, if he can get this guy to confess where the money's at, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, it was just one of those funny things, like, I totally get this now, but yeah. I definitely feel like I did <laughs> not when I was younger. It's easy to be confused. You're like, wait, did he get it?
1: How did he get the... Park the truck in the storage facility and saw...
0: Right. How do you lie your way out of prison? What? You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but it makes
1: sense. And uh the fact that he decides in the moment, and I love how uh Josh Holloway, he, it, it, this moment in particular, I think is pretty strong in his part where he's... You see the soft underbelly of Sawyer for a second there when he says... You know, I want it to be Clementine. Give it to Clementine Phillips, the way he says mm-hmm. Clementine Phillips, sort of like almost like a, a moment of fatherly pride in a weird way, almost like something there. Like this is my pride and joy for just a 2nd Call it let myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then who's Clementine Phillips? Are we done here? We're done. I got to go. I got to get my freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's one of those moments. I Yeah, I really like it. I really like the way he delivers that line where, where he says her name. Um, it almost makes me think of, like, I, I wonder if, you know, he's... It, this is something that hasn't been a reality to him yet because he hasn't admitted it out loud that he has a daughter, you know? Um, and so for him to say there, like, her full name, Clementine Phillips, uh, is kind of to admit... Um, that she's real she's out there you know mm-hmm. uh like uh up until then he said i don't have a daughter you know that that whole thing yeah. and now he openly says i want this money to go to her clementine phillips and i i just think that's kind of a i don't know like you mentioning the nicknames is making me notice all of the usages of names the, the in real this episode, names yes. which is really cool they are few um, and far
1: between but he does yeah He says Kate at one point and he says Clementine Mm. Phillips. And those are the two most vulnerable moments I think of the episodes. So, yeah. um,
0: I love that. Yeah. and He admits that she's real to him,
1: but he Mm -hmm. does he he refuses to let himself be real to her by saying, I don't, there's no way she finds out who the money is from. Yeah. Cutting himself off that way.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think the biggest thing, and I think this is the biggest way these flashbacks relate to the stuff on the island is um, Sawyer. Sawyer's whole motivation in conning Munson and getting it is just to get out of prison. He doesn't mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, it is a sacrifice for him to give up all that money, but I don't think he ever wanted them. I, he just wanted to get out. Yeah, he wanted to leave. He wanted his freedom. Um, he was presented with an alternative option by Cassidy, by saying you could stay in mm. prison and write letters to your daughter, and mm. become a father. But instead, he chooses to say, "No, I'll be a father to her by just throwing money at her and then going the opposite direction." Um,
0: yeah, that's interesting.
1: And I think it relates to the island because. You know Sawyer is very concerned about getting free at all costs on the island when I think at the end, when Ben is talking to him it's oh it's a fascinating thing, like are you better off in your cage perhaps mm-hmm. so are you better off being trapped but yet having an opportunity to mm-hmm. actually care about someone else
2: That's
0: really interesting that remaining in the cage but but almost like staying where you are but growing as a person (laughs) you know in a way or like being being vulnerable opening up to someone else yeah um as opposed to being free but by yourself Mm -hmm. um yeah i hadn't thought about that connection to what's going on 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 the island that's pretty cool that's the point of freedom
1: yeah, if you yeah, if you ain't got no one to, you know, a man goes, get yeah. sick if he ain't got nobody. Um,
0: That's such a good, oh my gosh, I, I yeah. love that line in the context of that scene, but I hadn't even thought about mm-hmm. it in the flashback. That's so cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to talk
1: a lot about Ben Linus in this episode because there's a lot there. And yes. that, that scene, especially at the end, <laughs> when with within the context of the episode, and Ben Linus almost being a wise figure is really interesting yes but anyway uh, did you have anything else with these flashbacks i
0: I think i think that's it for me we we've pointed out the things i wanted to point out like the the apple prop and uh (laughs) stanza's as as my favorite nickname of the episode and yeah
1: we've made our priorities clear that the
0: apple is the thing i'm most concerned (laughs) about so i had to point it out
1: (laughs) that apple man the apple got bruised now we can't eat it Come on. Apple. But anyway, so we will talk next about the island stuff. But before we get to that, let's take a commercial break for all of our commercials, our many, mm-hmm. many, many commercials.
0: Got to um, make that green.
1: Yeah, I apologize for all these commercials. It's like four full minutes, but uh, we'll be back with uh, yeah. yes, we'll be back with more. See you in the Life Brothers after this. Hey, welcome back to Seeming in the Life Brothers. I don't know why I'm suddenly very... <laughs> hey, guys. Back.
0: I don't know why that really just got me. <laughs> hey!
1: Oh, it's like I'm caught off guard or something. I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out what energy to bring to this. It's just like, hey. So it's uh, Seeming in the Life Brothers, and uh, we're back. So that's great. it's like
0: you just walked into a room of a party and saw hey. that there was a microphone there.
1: Hey. <laughs> oh, oh hey, microphone. That's cool. I guess we'll just do a podcast now. Uh I guess we'll talk about every man for himself, uh season three, episode four. And uh we're here, might as well. So. Might as well. So uh James uh James uh, Sawyer Ford. Uh he's trapped in a in a cage. And, uh, you know, coming up with all sorts of great nicknames, like we've already established these uh, things to distance himself from people. And I love how the island uh, narrative of the episode begins with one of his best, Chinatown. Uh, <laughs> looking a little stuff, sound a little stuffy there, Chinatown is just a, a great uh, reference and um, perfect and it's just, it starts it off on the right note where you're like, okay, he's just toying with Danny again and again, pick it, just to get him more and more pissed. You can tell Sawyer it's working in his head. He's like, I got to just keep pissing this guy off to get him off of his game because yeah. our time is going to come where we can use it to our advantage. Little did he know what happened right then and there, like the key to it all. Poor Danny. This is one of the, the one episode where you really feel for the guy and you yeah. you under you really understand him um at mm-hmm. his core here uh because he goes through some stuff
2: yeah
0: yeah last time we saw him uh it was very easy to be like that guy is just a jerk you know yeah. and and this episode uh i i like the fact that and throughout this entire episode um that we are seeing the others um as not entirely Mm -hmm. villains necessarily but as characters who are very gray you know like there is there is a lot of ambiguity with what's what is the deal with these people but also they are real people (laughs) you know they're not Mm -hmm. just two-dimensional villains or anything like that no um especially with with Pickett in this one but
1: I think you're getting me thinking like with every single like main others character, like Ben Linus, I feel like we'll talk about it more here, but throughout this, you, you start to kind of, I mean, you don't, you never fully understand Ben, but you can kind of see there's moments where you're like, Oh, that was almost a human moment for him. Um, With Juliet, definitely with her and Jack and that whole thing, Mm -hmm. where you see her vulnerable side with Tom even like Tom who's expressing frustration about, I don't like when he's talking about like our comms are down and everything. And then, and they also, they also bring in clothes and stuff for Sawyer and Kate to, and you're like, well, that was okay. Interesting. Like they didn't have to do that, but they let them clean themselves up. And then with Pickett, like he's the very, the, the most dramatic one of it all. Like, He's a guy who just loves his wife. you're like, I understand like these others are are real people, and it just makes it once again like we were talking about in the last episode with these two with Sawyer and Kate when they're kind of sounding like Bonnie and Clyde like we're gonna get out we we're, we're we're planning our escape. they're almost sound they're sounding like the bad guys sort of Sawyer mm-hmm. like the ultimate sort of cold, distant we did it our team like. That's, yeah. that's the most, that's the closest he comes to being like irredeemable right there. You're like, Oh yeah. wow. Oh wow. Sawyer. But he's doing it because he has to distance the team thing as well. It's like, I have to distance myself because freedom is the most important thing. These people deserve it.
2: Mm-hmm. We got to get out
1: of here, Kate. We did it our
0: team. And I, I like, I like that moment because both of them, we see where they're both at as far as, um, you know kind of kind of the state of their souls almost because sawyer is like um he's smiling at this horrible injury that this woman has um because it's us versus them and kate is horrified that Mm -hmm. he would be smiling (laughs) you know like and she wants she wants to get out of there just as much as he does you know but she um she isn't losing her like morality, like her sense of you know, that's that's still another human being, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sawyer just sees somehow that's their ticket out of there. Um, that's something for him to work with.
1: He sees it, and it's explained in the next scene where he's where, well, when he's saying that's broken nose band's girl. Um, he's like. He calls him Broken Nose Man's girl, very intentionally. Like that's his nickname now, Broken Nose Man's girl. Mm-hmm. And then Kate says they call him Pickett. Like he has a name, Sawyer. And he's like, "Well, Pickett is distracted at the moment." That's all Sawyer sees it as. It's like Pickett cares about someone else, so he's vulnerable. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna take him out with the, my this plan that Kate is impressed by. She's like man, I can't believe you would uh, concoct that even in the midst of just this craziness. And But once again, Kate has not lost, like you're saying, Kate hasn't lost her humanity because she still says, what about Jack? And that causes Sawyer so to say, what about him? We don't even know if he's here. We don't know if he's alive. We got to take care of us. It's every man for himself, Freckles.
0: Hey, that's the name of this episode. That's a great name for the episode. Yes. I, I love, I mean, I love how they use it throughout the episode, um but i also love obviously we'll get to this later how kate references jack's yes uh, quote you know the the great uh live together die alone but i hadn't thought about it until this viewing and i think i saw it as i was looking up stuff about the episode that i i had never thought about the fact that jack literally right before that Mm -hmm. every man for himself is not gonna work um it's uh if we can't live together we're gonna die alone and i think that's such a cool uh parallel that we've got like sawyer has forgotten not that he ever really cared what jack said yeah but he's forgotten that if they can't live together they're gonna die alone uh so he's living by his own mantra of it's every man for himself Mm -hmm. you know and i i think that's a really cool theme for the episode
1: Mm -hmm. and the line every man for himself it's a great line it's also such a hackney sort of cliched sort of like
0: yeah every man
1: for himself oh man that is like you could look at that and go oh that's so almost corny in a way Mm -hmm. but what I love about it it's 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 a it's easy for Sawyer to once again, that every man for himself is almost a nickname for the situation. It's like, Hmm. it's every man for himself. That's just, you know, you look at this situation, clearly that's how it has to be. Um, So Sawyer's even distancing himself from the situation by saying every man for himself. And he's repeating it throughout the episode to just kind of make, that's the reality. That's the reality you have to live in. Um, Trying to will it to be the case when, like, live together, die alone is continually kind of, you know, that that's nagging at the back. I think that's in the back of his mind, even though he's trying to forget it. It's like, yeah. if we can't live together, you are going to be alone. You're, you're, you're trying to be alone, but you're going to die alone. So he's willing to leave Jack behind, just as he's willing to, you know, cut off his daughter and, you know, con Munson and all this stuff. It's just, that's... How it's gotta be for him to continue to be Sawyer.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the the every man for himself line, yeah, is almost like a like you were saying, like it it's almost a statement of fact of like this is this is just the way things are. Like it is every man for himself, you know. Um and so that we just have to deal with it. So Yep. These are the
1: harsh facts, and it can't be any other way. Or can it? So that brings us to the next scene with Ben showing up just to take a step back for a second here. And when you think about the fact that Ben Linus, I, I I hadn't watched this episode in a while. And I remembered that Ben did this to Sawyer, but I forgot that it's after Colleen comes through and Colleen's in critical condition and everything that's going on. Yeah. And Ben Linus still decides to continue on with his plan to con Sawyer like that can't wait. Mm -hmm. And to me that I just Ben Linus, like I said, is a fascinating character in this episode because that points to the fact points to how selfish he is. You ask me, Mm -hmm. it's like he can't, he needs his whole plan with Jack to work and Sawyer needs to be put in line for it to work because he can't have them Mm -hmm. continually trying to escape and so he's just like, I still got I got to get my surgery, even though Colleen's is yeah. in critical condition, even though as he says to Tom, it's like, Juliet's got it. It's like, still, he, he doesn't care all that much about Colleen. It's, it's pretty clear, even though, but it's complicated because later on he's clearly affected by her death, but yeah, <laughs> just like the fact that he still goes through with it speaks volumes about kind of the selfishness of Ben Linus, I feel like
0: yeah that's so true like it yeah if you think about why does he do this to sawyer to keep sawyer in line so that he can use sawyer and kate um as like almost like hostages to make Mm -hmm. sure that jack will do the surgery (laughs) and yeah so like that's totally selfish for him to (laughs) be caring about making sure that works out while colleen is dying Mm -hmm. um yeah, that that is a really interesting observation. I I also think this whole this whole scene to me as I was watching it this time, the thing I was really thinking about was Ben goes into this scene obviously knowing Sawyer's plan, you know, yeah. to to electrocute him. Like we we all know that we all know that he's watching him, even though he knows it, and even though like obviously he it, he doesn't get electrocuted and all of that stuff it is still such a bold move that ben would still do this because sawyer could have broken his arm he could have you know he could have still really hurt him Mm -hmm. you know like that is such a gutsy move uh such a risky thing to do um but he goes through with it and it's like that is ben linus is kind of a wild character (laughs) you know well,
1: ben Linus is a bad mother, you know? <laughs> He's
0: just one yeah. bad mother you don't...
1: if This is the first instance we see of that stick, that retractable yeah. stick, because we see That's him use true. it again a few times, where, like, when he whips out that stick, he is unbeatable. It's like there's something about it. Like, he just takes out Sawyer, like, completely takes him out of commission. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like
0: He's ruthless,
2: yeah. Yes.
1: Kicks him in the face? All that, <sighs> like... But yeah, Ben is when Ben's gonna do something, he's gonna do it. Yeah, and that brings us to that next scene where Sawyer wakes up. We find out that Ben hates needles. That's another detail that uh, is important to note.
2: That
0: that scene is so horrifyingly like comedic. Yes, where they're just like, no, no, it has to go through the sternum. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) that's horrible. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's clear that they've been trained to do, you know, it's like, you guys got to pretend like you don't know what you're doing. We got to really yeah. freak him out. Um, and that's just like, he's he's making all of his minions, by the way, do all this. Meanwhile, yeah. someone who they might care about, Colleen, I mean, they're they're a pretty tight-knit group, the others. I mean, they're a community. So it's like, he's still making them go through with all this. Um, it's, it's tough to be another's henchman, I would think. Ben's not very uh, accommodating to situations
0: i assume they don't have a great hr department you know it's it seems like probably probably not good benefits they live in a pretty island but you know yeah but
1: so they uh stick the needle in sawyer's chest i'm glad we don't have to see that um probably wasn't very pleasant and then sawyer wakes up the line if you want me dead why don't you just shoot me and get it over with and then Ben's response, because we're not killers, James. The thing I'll say about that is just again and again, the others, the they, they don't explicitly say it, but throughout you just, you get the sense. It's very Pharisaic. It's like they're the Pharisees. They're, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they they continually say these things about themselves. We're the good guys. We're not killers. We're like, they're trying to make themselves the virtuous ones um there again it just it it just irritates you like we're not killers james but you guys
3: Mm
0: -hmm. you guys suck yeah pretty much there's something about a person who has led a group of people who have kidnapped children and you know Mm -hmm. like had ethan as like their main guy for a while who literally did kill people you know doing all that stuff there's just something so unsettling about him just saying like because we're not killers you know like we're the good guys that whole thing yeah when it's like but we know that you're up to bad stuff like we just know it and Mm -hmm. for him to you know it's another situation of a character just denying the truth but almost kind of daring you to to challenge him like we're not killers james it's like but but you kind of are you know Mm -hmm. and
1: it kind of gives you like a peek into like a window into how i'll use the term like ben like as a cult leader of these people feel like he sort of gaslit them almost like gaslighting you know Mm -hmm. like telling them like convincing them like they're the good guys like over and i can you can see why these people like the others who you know the history of the others they're the ones who you know they're the ones the island's original inhabitants you know they connection with Jacob and you know maybe goodness mm-hmm. and things like that how they could slowly be convinced that this is the good way to go and still and mm-hmm. swear allegiance because like he's he's convinced them that they're the good yeah. guys uh so you can kind of see that there like and he's trying to convince you know Sawyer, maybe, and Kate to keep them in line. Like, no, we're the virtuous ones. We're the virtuous ones. And so we have the moment where Ben puts a strain in Sawyer and Kate's relationship by, you know, telling him he can't tell Kate anything. Or I'll put one in her, too. Playing, as Ben puts, points out in the end, hey, Sawyer, you you like to think you're above, like, Munson or not, like those people who get too attached you're not
2: mm-hmm.
1: you care yeah and we'll prove it that brings us I, we'll talk in a moment about how you know what happens with colleen and all that and Juliet and jack but let's just say it doesn't go too well uh because e- the next <laughs> the next thing we see with really with danny and kate and sawyer is a uh, kind of an upsetting scene well first sawyer comes back and everything and we get the the heart rate monitor watch and kind of a comedic oh, yeah. moment where I don't
0: tell you everything. It's just my watch. It's just my and watch. it's like this comedically large watch too that does not yeah. look like he should be wearing it. You've never had a watch.
1: I don't tell... I've always had a watch. I just never told you about it.
3: it doesn't make <laughs> no sense.
1: But then after that, Danny, and this is the, the, like the moment where you really understand him and it's sort of like the the sobering the truth of the episode like when he mm-hmm. comes out and takes out his fury on Sawyer and his line do you love him do you love him repeated over and over again sort of like it's Danny sort of screaming at the sky he he's he's Danny is the enlightened one in the episode almost right here for a moment where he realizes how ridiculous this whole game is between like one side and the the others versus Sawyer and Kate and everything. He's like, let's cut the crap here. Do you love him? Cause I loved her. And the fact that, you know, I, I just can't handle that. And the fact that you're callous toward that, I, I hate that, that you people would do this to my wife, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Kate finally says, yes, I love him. Sort of like getting to the raw truth of it all. Like, you guys care about each other. So mm-hmm. this whole game of one side versus the other is ridiculous. It's kind of how I see mm-hmm. the scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a few things about this scene that are so interesting. And, like, one of them is with Pickett, like, I wonder... At this point, does he know that Sawyer has the thing with his heart? You know, like, does does he know what they did to him? Mm-hmm. Um, Because if not, like, I wonder if he went out there to pick a fight with him just to, like, you know, just get angry, <laughs> you know, with this mm-hmm. other guy, you know, or maybe even, like, get himself beaten up a little bit, you know, because he's just so oh, mad. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. If he... You know, but once Sawyer can't defend himself because otherwise his heart might explode, (laughs) um, then he like throws him at the cage and just needs needs Kate to you know admit that they care about each other. The other thing about it that's so interesting to me is that he doesn't once you know once he hears that she loves him, Hmm. Pickett, this villain. This two dimensional villain yes. stops beating him up, mm-hmm. and he says, "Put him back in the cage." You know, and it, you know, like maybe one one explanation for that could be like, like he knows the plan. He's not allowed to, you know, kill Sawyer or anything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like he just lost his wife. He might be beyond reason at that point. Yeah. You know, he could still just like let loose on this guy but he chooses to let him live like to, to relent at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that just, I just like the fact that they add some complexity to this guy who we just hate because he's, he's a jerk, you know? Um, but we get to see him be a three dimensional, like an actual person um, who is uh, unbelievably grieved at this moment. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's not just, Uh, not just a cardboard cutout like of a villain, you know? Um, I just think that's cool when, when we can feel some sort of empathy for, for such an awful person, (laughs) you know, in a show.
1: Yeah. We see the ugly, I think both sides see kind of the ugly underbelly of what's really going on there. Like with Piggy, he's, his heart's broken. He's just, he's, he's, he's grief is like the ultimate mm-hmm. form of like die alone, sort of what do you do at that point? And then Pickett sees in Kate that same, he, he sees it reflected back at him. Like, yes, I love mm-hmm. him. Like Kate, even though she says later, I only said that so he'd stop hitting you. That's when the facade I think comes back up. But I think yeah. she, he sees that she's really sincere about it. And mm-hmm. so, that's when he relents and's like we're we're not so different, you and I, basically, um, between the two sides, um, and I think that's that might be why he stops. But who knows? And the next scene with Kate and Sawyer, this is where the other point in the episode where we see the facade come down for Sawyer when Kate is you know she's getting out of the cage and she's coming to mm-hmm. him and he's like he he can't tell her but in a way he's he's telling her i can't be without you but yet at the same time i don't want you to suffer with me
0: i just i thought it was such an interesting scene um because kate is so freaked out about what's going on with Sawyer you know she says like whatever they did to you is scared you enough mm-hmm. that you're you're acting weird you're lying and stuff and that scares me you know so much uh, but it's interesting that she almost is trying to call his bluff by being like i'm gonna climb out of my cage and i'm gonna break you out you know and uh, but unless you tell me why we shouldn't do this you know mm-hmm. um i just think that's like such a cool like kate moment of her being like we're doing this thing, you know, unless you tell me why. And, um, and he's not able to tell her, but she just, uh, you know, eventually just like lets it go. But the line, tell me the
1: truth for once in your life that Kate says to Stoyer, she wants him to be James. Finally, just be James. Stop trying to put it at a distance The irony, of course, is that he in not telling her the truth is sort of like telling her the truth, like that he really truly does care about her. So it's 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 a complicated scene. But Mm -hmm. um, if you really love me, go is what Sawyer Sawyer's response. Showing he truly is like, I just want you I want the best for you to get out of here and I'll stay in the cage maybe some growth there we see for a minute
0: i also like the fact that just thinking through it as we're talking about it that he tells her like if you really love me you'd go Mm -hmm. and she says i only said that to make him stop hitting you but then she gets back in her cage and says live together die alone um in contrast to him saying every man for himself so it's like she's saying, I don't, I only said I loved you in order to uh make him stop hitting you, but I'm not going to leave you behind, you know? And so she's not going to admit, she's going to put up some defenses and say, like, I, I don't, I'm not saying I love you, but I I won't abandon you. I'm going to, we have to stick together. Like, that's what. That's how we're gonna survive this thing if we stay together. Um, so it's kind of cool that like even as he's pushing her away, and he's probably a little bit <laughs> hoping, I think, that she really does love him. Mm-hmm. She does stay, but she doesn't admit to loving him. So it's it's kind of an interesting, yeah, uh, messy situation between those two.
1: Yeah, I feel like her saying that uh, I only said that so he stopped hitting you is sort of like, okay, if you're going to keep putting it at a distance like Mm. you always have have done and not telling the truth and just trying to be Sawyer, then I'm not going to admit that I love you. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. I'm
1: going to play the same game, basically. I feel like we're going to get... We're finally going to break through that game. I think it's I do. And then Mm. I feel like there's some other... after that once they get back to the the beach it'll be fun to explore that a little bit more this kind yeah. of game they're playing between the two of them but yeah it, it, Kate in saying live together die alone is sort of saying yes of course I love you but you're being stupid so I'm not gonna sit I'm, I'm just gonna keep our keep set a distance yet I'm still gonna stay with you because I do care um yeah they like each other dang it but it's just complicated
0: yeah Yeah, but Jader's for life, you know. Yeah, man. Totally. (laughs) I mean, how could you be a skater? (sighs) Not me. Not me. No, no. Heavens no. I'm kind of thinking about being a skater. No, don't do it. I'm not going to do it, no!
1: Um, (laughs) Anyway. Love triangle. (sighs) We'll say more left triangle talk for another day. For now, let's talk about Ben Linus and the worst possible way to be woken up after you've gotten the crap kicked out of you. Psst, hey, I'm Ben Linus. Wake up! Oh man, go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. That's the worst way to wake up in the morning. Uh, but yeah. So it, it brings us to this final scene with them walking up to the top. Bringing up uh, of mice and men.
2: Mm-hmm. You,
1: you ever read mice and men? The mice and men. I haven't. No. Me neither. That's one of those. I think I feel like I should read after watching this episode so many times. Like the references. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I get. Of mice, I feel like I know the reference, but, um, like the house you've always wanted, George. Is that,
3: mm-hmm.
1: like the, we're gonna take you out to a nice field. I might be showing my ignorance here. Like.
0: Oh, it might be. I think I that's it. Yeah,
1: pop culture has played that out quite a few times. Like Stein, like I'm thinking of the the Key and Peel sketch with the hype man, where he takes <laughs> him out to, and, and it ends with Steinbeck, y'all. Like it <laughs> I feel like that's. But anyway, I, I might I think be. Sh- you're,
0: I think you're right, but yeah. I don't know. We'll see. People
1: are screaming at their uh, phones or whatever they're listening <laughs> on right now. Who've What read that
0: book but our email is in the uh show description somewhere i think (laughs) you can let us know
1: please sign up your complaints uh we'll become more (laughs) literate but i like that you know he's seen in the flashbacks reading that book sawyer you know says you're gonna take me up to the house you've always wanted george um thinking as he puts it is like you're taking me up here to kill me aren't you basically Mm -hmm. um and then ben Dropping the shocker of all shockers. We didn't put anything in your heart, James. The only thing we put inside of you was doubt. Oh, snap.
0: <laughs> ben Linus Khan, the con man. I remember, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it was during the episode or I think it was maybe after the episode was done. What, you know, those little things you just remember about like the first time you watch about watch the show. I remember our dad saying, um, (laughs) dad said something about how he was like, he was like, yeah, it, that little like spot on Sawyer's chest. I was like, there's no way that they were supposed to believe that they did like surgery to put a (laughs) a thing on him or whatever. Mm -hmm. I remember him saying something about that. Cause like when Sawyer pulls the bandage away, there's Mm -hmm. like hardly anything on his chest at all. And he's like, there's no way they put anything in his heart, you know? Yeah. like I, <laughs> And it was one of the, it's just one of those little things. I always remember when I watched this episode now, like, like, yeah, it does feel pretty unbelievable that like, <laughs> like, yeah, they, they just injected him or like they put the thing, the needle in him. And then he wakes up with basically nothing changed to him. And he's like, Oh, mm-hmm. there's something in my heart now, <laughs> you know? Well, they
1: got him looking at their hands when he should have been looking at their eyes.
0: Hey, there it is. Yeah, there because is.
1: they they played on Sawyer's emotions. Yeah. Like, they they got him frazzled um, and managed. To, that's how you con a con man. You basically play with his emotions. And then, they, of course, as Ben puts it, the, it, it wasn't when we put the pacemaker in you. It's when we brought her up. Um, yeah. That's when it sunk in, like...
2: Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Even though if you thought about it for five seconds, like Sawyer didn't, he would realize, Mm -hmm. wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, His concern for Kate overrode that his emotion overrode his reason. And uh, he just couldn't think straight. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how we, that's how you gain the respect of a con man. I will just a quick note about this scene when they bring out the bunny like see, the bunny's fine how do i know that's the same bunny i love that because later on we find out they're duplicating bunnies <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah when you think about the whole series yeah that's probably not the same bunny i think they did kill a bunny i think uh
0: <laughs> yeah probably i also uh, we didn't really mention it but um uh michael emerson's uh performance of just it's one of the most unsettling things yeah. when hey. he pulls out that cage And then he starts shaking it and just saying like "hippity hop, hippity hop," you know, like (laughs) "hop bunny." It's like that is so (laughs) just creepy. (laughs) Like, and then it, like the fact that it passes out. It's just like, what? What are what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is wrong with you people?
1: And that other, yeah. Then there's a uh, you notice it in the scene. There's the other's henchman standing behind him, kind of looking at this Uh whole thing. Like he's thinking. I don't get paid enough. <laughs> I just had to witness Where a grown man. Where did I man. go wrong? <laughs> I witnessed a grown man just straight up kill a bunny in front of another grown man to convince him that he has a pacemaker in his chest. How do I sleep at night?
2: <laughs>
1: How do the others sleep at night? Most of the stuff they have to witness. So, yeah, and that brings us to this final... Dialogue between the two of them where Sawyer says, you did this just to keep me in a cage. And he says, you know, it was only because of Kate. And these lines. Like this, as we have pointed out, Ben Linus is selfish. Ben mm-hmm. Linus is a cruel cult leader. He puts, he doesn't really care about his people all that much. Um, He's, he is a killer. These people are killers. But. You work so hard to make her think you don't care. That you don't need her. But a guy goes nuts if he ain't got nobody. It don't make no difference who the guy is, as long as he's with you. I tell you, I tell you, a guy gets too lonely and he gets sick. The way he delivers that, Latin, he gets sick. In such yeah. a bu- brilliant Michael Emerson way. Like It's so crazy that I feel like Ben Linus, in this moment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is he trying to rehabilitate Sawyer by in a way by keeping him in this cage? I feel like he's saying that, but he doesn't really... He, he Obviously, his ultimate me- uh, motivation is selfish. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just the two of them, in this moment, Ben Linus is trying to help Sawyer to see that you may be stuck in your cage but you can you can actually let those walls down in prison and care about Kate and let her know that you care about her
0: mhm which he
1: does later as we'll see
0: yeah it's it's such a cool moment because even more than the the moment with Pickett earlier this is one of those times where you're like we'll have to see later on uh i i I don't remember all of lost so well but this feels like one of the most pure almost good moments for ben <laughs> you yeah. know like he's still keeping this guy in a cage in order to get what he wants you know for for very selfish reasons he's imprisoning this guy but he's also saying something very true and true in the way that live together die alone is like a truth of this show that like everyone needs each other like he's basically saying the thing that we say all the time on this podcast where it's like the characters need to stick together Mm -hmm. like they need each other um and when they go off on their own every man for himself it doesn't work and ben kind of gets that here and says it which is a really interesting moment we get to see the like the ultimate antagonist at this point in the series basically say part of what the thesis of the show feels like it is sometimes Mm -hmm. he's doing it to keep sawyer in line ultimately i think but he's also saying something that's true so that's just kind of cool
1: it makes you think about overall ben linus you know i feel like at at his core like he was a guy who sort of fell in love with this island, kind of like John mm-hmm. Locke, but he sort of became corrupted by power. Mm. But at the end, of the, it, it, somewhere deep down inside, he understands that he still needs other people, even though mm-hmm. he's, you know, alienating his own people along the way. It's wild. Uh I, I just love that that moment. And, and and then you take it, it takes you out of it when he says, It's from mice of men. Don't you read sort of like, oh yeah, this was this wasn't about Ruby. It was just like, <laughs> I'm just one upping you basically again. Um now let's get you back to your cage. I
0: I love it. I love the I always thought that was such a cool moment where it's like uh uh Sawyer <laughs> the fact that Sawyer's like, don't you read and then he, uh yeah he one-ups him by literally quoting like this whole like several lines uh directly from the book uh and he's like don't you read you know mm-hmm. um yeah i also i don't i don't even know if we mm-hmm. talked about in this scene what a cool yeah. reveal it is yeah we didn't even mention that that they're not even on their own island <laughs>
1: there's another island
0: this is one of those, like, yeah. underrated twists of the show, in I my so opinion. Too, you know? <laughs> like, what an awesome, like, earth-shattering twist at that time. Just the idea that, like, we've spent, you know, four episodes now seeing scenes of these guys on this part of the island, not even realizing that they're on a separate island. And there's... they even if they get out of their cage there's no way to get home you know mm-hmm. they're too far to swim like it, it's just not possible um that is such an awesome twist
1: <laughs> it is yeah uh, it's underrated i think we take it for granted that's why i didn't even mention them like oh yeah they're obviously on the other island. but yeah uh huh. brilliant turn like oh my gosh that's crazy so that's, cool. yeah brilliant Yeah. And so Sawyer is kind of left to ponder, I feel like, Mm -hmm. as we'll leave him here, sort of everything that's happened and what will he do? Uh, And as I think we see, this does have a dramatic effect. Sawyer's season three arc, and this is where it really, Sawyer really starts to transform. It starts here and it Mm -hmm. kind of reaches its pinnacle in five, in season five. Um, and I love what they do with him, especially in the brig when we get there. Uh, he, he, I think he has one of the most compelling transformations of any character on Lost. And I think it really does kind of start right here.
0: I think you're right. I, yeah, when we started the rewatch and like there were points in season one where I was like, you know, I, I feel like this is going to be a really satisfying (laughs) thing Mm -hmm. to rewatch Sawyer going from like one of the that it, even from uh, test audiences saying like, they just didn't like that guy, you know, mm-hmm. to the end being like having one of the most satisfying character arcs of the entire show. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree.
1: For sure. Well, we'll leave Sawyer alone for now to ponder. Meanwhile, we need to talk about the other people in this episode. Jack and Juliet, and oh yeah, Desmond too. But huh. uh, yeah, we'll see what they're up to. But before that, let's take another break and we will be right back with more See You In Another Life Brothers. e after this. Welcome back to See You In Another Life Brothers. By the way, I'm, I'm Joe. Uh, we mm-hmm. never introduced ourselves at the beginning of the episode, so people have been wondering this whole time who we are.
0: Uh, oh my you, gosh you no know, right it's... here we are talking about names this whole time and
2: we no. have even...
0: <laughs> my name
1: is joe and that's not a nickname That's well actually it is my real name is huh. joseph and you have a nickname too
0: right my nickname is andy my full mm-hmm. name is andrew that's crazy yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: i like how you went with andy instead of drew it's a good choice
0: i I like to think that um, uh, I've I've left the option open at some point for Drew to be like my anti-self, you mm-hmm. know, like the evil version of Andy,
1: the goatee version. You're gonna grow a goatee yeah. and then yeah, become evil. <laughs> evil. Drew. I go by
0: Drew now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: So that those are our names, and we are both fans of. I don't want to speak for you. I'm a fan of Lost. Are you? A fan, you're. You're a fan of Lost, correct?
0: Yeah, I'm a fan of Lost. Oh, good.
1: Okay. Yeah. We we always have to give our credentials, and th- those are our mm-hmm. credentials. So, being fans of Lost, let's talk more Lost. Uh, Jack Jack's up to some stuff. What's Jack up to in this episode? Watching cartoons. That's fun. That Lazy Bones? He's a Lazy Bones, just sitting there, eating his grilled cheese sandwiches, watching his cartoons. What a i mean sawyer and kate are out here moving rocks getting the Mm -hmm. and sawyer's getting the crap beaten out of him every five seconds and getting fake pacemakers put inside of him and jack uh, sitting back watching some weird cartoons with ducks getting salt put on their butts and stuff it's it's (laughs) it's very weird. weird
0: i yeah i'm just now thinking about like I mean no one no one is in a comfortable position but Jack is just literally sitting on a metal floor. Uh, that's true. Uh, that that's got to be really annoying. Not a not a comfy stay. Not great for the back, I'd imagine or you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. But he also has Juliet to keep him company. Um and this conversation the two of them have where I think how Jack gets cuts to the core of what's going on here. Okay. He's in charge. He's the cult leader. He makes you do whatever. Juliet's like, Juliet's trying desperately, I think, still to cling to some sort of autonomy within the system, like we were talking about in the Tale Two Cities. She's like, no, we we make decisions together. Totally cool. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just the comedic turn when he's like, "Um, you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't answer to him. And then Ben's like, hey, come here, dude, come with me now.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, breaking down the facade and making you realize, yeah, the others are basically just a cult and they have to follow Ben. Yep. 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 And I, I also like, and I made this connection too in my notes where Jack is basically playing the role that Ben played just about a week ago, as he pointed out, where he was oh, making yeah. Locke question, like, Jack's the one who calls the shots, right?
0: that's really cool (laughs) yeah
1: it's sort of like we've come full circle here where Jack is now trying to poke holes in the in the others hierarchy Um, Mm -hmm. which is another making you realize like these are just two groups of people they're just they're people they're not you know Mm -hmm. like it's not like good guys and bad guys more and more you're like it's just two groups of people trying to live together and fight Mm -hmm. against each other so Jack's left to watch more cartoons until suddenly that, uh, communicate box starts going off again. I like that, you know, the thing that we thought maybe he was just hallucinating in the tale of two cities. Now you're like, Oh wait, no, that thing does actually work. Um, mm-hmm. and they're kind of baiting him into you know, like, like, Hey, let's play some Sawyer being tortured to just kind of get that in his mind.
0: Yeah, I like how I like how that's kind of a thing that we we don't see directly what's going on. You know, we don't see like Ben hitting a switch or something, you know, and mm-hmm. and we hear that coming through or something, but um I like how there's I don't know, that's just kind of a fun thing how there's like a mystery to that. Like Jack was hearing his his father's voice in it earlier and now he's hearing Sawyer, and, like he's hearing these random important moments throughout. Mm-hmm. And it's not a major plot point. It's just kind of a mysterious little thing, and I, yeah. I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. It's like
1: are the others are the others toying with him, or is he imagining that, or because it's actually happening? And right. Like, oh, lost! You're so mysterious, um, and that's why we love you. Yep. <sighs> but then you know they might be toying with Jack, but I like how Jack once again, gets the upper hand by seeing those X-rays. Um, but before that, he you know we have the moment where the, the sirens are going off and they're taking him through and everything. Um, I forgot to mention that when we were talking about Sawyer, but the thing that has always struck me about that, maybe it struck you too when Jack's going through, how mm-hmm. Jay, Kate's calling out, Jack, Jack, and Sawyer is calling out doc doc oh that's funny which i've always thought that was so corny it's like he's still using his nickname even though he's shouting for him like it's for the moment but in the context of this episode i love it because even that even in that moment sawyer is still trying to put he's shouting at him because kate's shouting at him but he's shouting Mm -hmm. doc because he still wants to keep himself distanced from jack because he still wants to get out of there like yeah doc doc i I really don't want to help jack but i'll pretend like it because I, I like kate
0: that scene i've always thought um uh i'm sure that that's matthew fox with a bag over his head oh, yeah. but i've always <laughs> thought it would be funny if it wasn't <laughs> like it was just some some extra or like someone who was just like hey can I, can i just put on his tank top and you know the, the sleeveless shirt he's been wearing and just walk through and look kind of clueless for a second
1: i think it's a uh, matthew fox's stunt double um matthew fox had it in his contract that he doesn't put burlap sacks over his head it's it's dangerous for him so he had a stunt double do that yeah he's got a weird contract matthew fox
0: um very specific very specific no burlap
1: sacks over my head oh so that would mean that and on on that dock there too it was a stunt double every time they put a bag over his head um
0: the uh actually what they did is um because you see clearly it's matthew fox but they they just cgi'd a bag over (laughs) everyone else it's real but
1: (laughs) that that a ton of the budget went into trying to make that bag look as real as possible this is and the guys in the room and they graphic artists doing that were like this is such a waste of our
0: time they were like shouldn't we save some in the budget for that polar bear they were like no <laughs> this bag that's why
1: the polar bear looks like looks horrible it's because of matthew fox i want i want to make the record clear that this is all pure speculation it may or may not be true about matthew fox i don't want to incriminate the man um mm-hmm. make him look bad because i know he listens so i'm matthew mm-hmm. i'm sorry for speculating and make it sound like this is actually
0: i hope he's not mad at us But I also want it to be clear. It could be true for all we know.
1: It could. It very well could.
0: We don't know that it's not.
1: We don't know. But what we do know is that Jack does see Ben's x-rays. And that gives him the upper hand. Like, now I know why I'm here. Jack don't miss no beat. He gets it.
0: I love that moment. Like, that is such a cool... Like, in the heat of the moment as they're... You know, as Jack is getting ready to go into the surgery and everything, and he glances over and sees those uh, x-rays, and Juliet says, "Those those aren't hers and everything. It's just such a quick moment, but it's so clever that, like, as a spinal surgeon, like, very experienced and stuff, he would be able to just immediately understand, oh, there's someone here with a tumor, like, I'm doing the math like, who am I here to save? Like, mm-hmm. awesome. So cool.
1: He's the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> awesome. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. And then these moments between him and Juliet in this episode where Juliet says, I'm not a surgeon. And Jack, it's almost, I, I just love it. It. it Yes. Just for some reason, just like, I know, but I need you to do this. It's almost like, you know, we, we've sensed that they have a connection. And now suddenly they're thrust into a very stressful moment. And you realize, yes, they really do have a connection between the two. Jack senses mm-hmm. that with Juliet. And even though later, the other moment, I, if we can jump to it for a second, where Juliet says... It, we, well, Juliet is very vulnerable and says, I'm a fertility doctor. I'm not used to death. Yeah. And Jack tells her, you know, there's not anything more you could have done. She was dead. And Juliet's like, are you just saying that to make me feel better? And Jack's like, I don't care. <laughs> which weirdly <laughs> makes her feel better. <laughs> but I feel like Jack does care. I don't, well, there you go again. The care, which is the mm-hmm. word of the episode, I think. I don't care. Um, but Jack does, in and, and a weird way, he's almost, that's the best thing he could have said right there. Like, yeah. <laughs> so weird connection between the two of them. And I love it in this episode. It's just kind of, it's so endearing. Like mm-hmm. you, you really see the vulnerable side of Juliet and you also see Jack sort of weirdly making her feel better.
0: This is a this is a really phenomenal episode for a lot of reasons and and like the acting across the board is amazing. But weirdly like that scene where they go into the surgery um like the acting between Matthew Fox and Elizabeth Mitchell is like probably my favorite in the episode. There's just something about it where it's like it, like I love the details of Jack Getting in there and Pickett is angry, and mm-hmm. he's like, "What's mm-hmm. this guy doing here?" And he just looks at Tom as like, "I need him out of here." Like, just the the way that he's, uh, like the way I view that that yeah. whole scene is Jack is a doctor through and through. Mm-hmm. Do no harm. He is going to make sure to save this woman's life if he can, mm-hmm. and he like snaps into surgeon, you know, like there's a there's a crazy man in this room we need him to be gone you know remove him he, he sees what uh juliet has already started to do and understands immediately she's not a she's not an like a surgeon she doesn't know what she's doing in this instance but she can still help me she knows enough that she can help me maybe yeah uh and like just her fear and his just immediate um being able to like just jump into surgery i just love that scene i don't know there's just something about it it feels so authentic for both of them um and yeah i i also love that moment where are you saying are you saying that just to make me feel better and i think like part of me believes that jack realizes the only way in that moment, like the perfect way to make her feel better is to say, I don't mm-hmm. care how you feel. Um, Like, I think, I think it's both kind of true because he still views her as like part of the enemy. Yeah. But she's also a person and he knows that that's the perfect card to play to say, like, why would I care how you feel? You yeah. know, and, and that does spare her. A little bit of pain um yeah i think it, like it's two really brief moments in this episode but it, it just really stands out to me as like amazing acting and really really cool writing too
1: yeah as you're putting it as you're describing it you're making me think this this really is um this episode is an example of why we love jack um yeah because we saw the ugly side of Jack in the tale of two cities and we see it throughout. It's the, as we often put it comedically, the burnt out Jack, the burnt out Mm -hmm. Jack is the Jack where he's his, his broken side comes out and we, he, he lets it have free reign over him and he lets Mm -hmm. himself, the worst side of himself control him. But then we see in this when Jack, he's at his best when he's truly helping other people, like being the doctor, like you're saying. And this, Mm -hmm. even though this woman, it's a member of the others and all these others, he's in the midst of people he doesn't even know. And he doesn't like them very much. He's still... Is the doctor at the end of the day, and that's yeah. That's why we love Jack. That's the core of that character. Um, it brings out the best in him, and so yeah, that's why Jack in this episode is the best um, mm-hmm. character, uh, MVP of the episode, probably. I'd say Jack.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, but they can't save Colleen. Poor Colleen. We barely knew her. Literally. <laughs> um but the the detail about the crash cart that they i just want to mention that for a moment just thinking because I, i'm like when i was watching this i always thought oh the crash cart they can't use it because of the hatch right um and i think it, it's oh, yeah. it's it's backed up by earlier in the episode when tom says our comms are down everything's down ever since the sky turned purple so we see once again the the consequences of just the, the um, not living together in the hatch, and the. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that that's what kills Colleen in the end. <laughs> interestingly
0: enough, um, so Sun and Locke killed Colleen <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty in much in very. Very uh, loose connection, but... Mm-hmm. And Jack,
1: in a way, and then, and you know, they're all sort of... Uh, we're all yeah. culpable. It's, it's all of our faults that Colleen is dead, basically.
0: <laughs> it's all of us.
1: Although, I mean, mainly son, because as Jack said, you know, she was dead yeah. already. Um, yeah. Anywho, the... I don't know if there's much more to say about Jack and Juliet other than the moment where um, we realize that uh, Ben is watching Sawyer and them on the monitors and he's watching Jack sit there, handcuffed to the thing. And he's like, I want him to sit there a little longer. Once again, (laughs) Ben, so many moments in this episode where you're so conflicted, you're like at the end, he's sort of kind of giving some wisdom and help to Sawyer at the same time. He, he freely admits that he's going to let Danny kill him eventually. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's just letting Jack sit there and stew with Colleen because he wants him to kind of, he's still trying to manipulate him into doing the surgery. So it's yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it, it's a... I'm like, <laughs> is that just a, <laughs> is that just an intimidation thing or what? Yeah, yeah. Like part of me thinks, yeah. Is that him saying like, like um we take it seriously like how well you do with surgery here like cuz he's going to ask him to do a surgery you know like just think of what we'll do to you if if you don't operate on me or something you know like i don't know yeah i don't know um or is it just plain mean spirited <laughs> i don't know
1: but when you think about also adding another layer onto Ben talking to Sawyer at the end we see Ben when Colleen dies and him kind of looking looking down when Mm -hmm. she dies it affects him and almost maybe Mm -hmm. that's like Ben kind of having a sober moment like I need these people Um, Mm -hmm. and so maybe that played into him talking trying Mm -hmm. to help Sawyer a little bit I don't know we could go on and on but I think We'll leave Juliet and Jack to ponder who's Jack there to save Um, (laughs) for now. I wonder who he's there to save. I don't
2: know. We'll find out. Hmm. Hmm.
1: But how about we talk about this whole other little subplot that's completely detached from anything else we've been talking about so far. Desmond builds a lightning rod. It's the one where Desmond builds a lightning rod.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love I have to say, you know, we we joked earlier about how, like, the last episode ended with Desmond mm-hmm. looking out into the ocean. I think it's so cool how this episode mm-hmm. begins with a shot of the ocean and then pans around to seeing what is Desmond pondering again. I was like, that's, that's kind of a cool, like, last episode ended this way and now the next one just begins with him kind of looking. Yeah. Um, even though it's kind of funny that like there's literally like Desmond is in the episode for like a blink of an eye, but he gets to start the episode too, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. And it makes me think, how does it, you know, connect with every man for himself. And I feel like as we, you know, Desmond's sitting there pondering as we find out later, he's pondering the fact that he saw Charlie get struck by lightning and die. Mm -hmm. And he knows this is coming and he's pondering what do I do with this information? And he could let it happen, but he chooses to say, okay, maybe the reason for this is that I can, you know, say he can't, he can't stand by. So basically Desmond's choosing to live together um, and trying to Save him, yeah. and and I think the arc of this episode with that, where he finally he builds the lightning rod and he sees that he's able to save Charlie, um, mm-hmm. and we see the look on his face at the end there when he he looks so happy about it. Like I did that. He's like, "That's what this is for. That's why I'm seeing the future so I can save people." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as we find out later that you know it's it's a little less <laughs> happy than that. Um, yeah, but I think for a brief moment, Desmond feels like this gift is a blessing, um, and it's to help him to do good for other people. That and the only other thing I think I'll say about these few scenes we get with Desmond is that Paulo's the worst.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was about to say they really. I I love Lost, and I love the writers. I just I feel like they it's funny because it's like a catch 22 like they in order to they've done such a good job about introducing new characters throughout the series otherwise Mm -hmm. you know like thinking of how they introduced the whole tale section and made them interesting characters sure um they did a great job introducing Nikki and Paolo they're immediately very annoying characters but the catch twenty two of it is that like they it would've it wouldn't have worked to introduce them and have us really grow attached to them <laughs> yeah. when their whole their whole storyline is supposed to end up with them dying. <laughs> like, you know, their one episode is well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. But you know
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it... I think we're supposed to hate that. We're supposed to not like them because Paulo clearly in this brief moment with Desmond where he's golfing there, he's supposed to be the foil to Desmond's effort to live together where Desmond Mm -hmm. says, Hurley said I could, you had the golf clubs. And then Paulo's line, Hurley, huh? Does that mean you're off to save the day? Kind of cynically. Like (laughs) you people are constantly trying to do good. Just, Take the, Okay, yeah, take the whatever iron he says to take, because I don't want to have to go try to find it when you die in the jungle. Basically, like, every man for himself. That's Paulo. um, Like, <laughs> Desmond, which, yeah.
0: Which is, like, also especially annoying as I'm thinking about it, because Paulo has probably known who Desmond is for, like, three days at this point, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, because, like, he's not even... He hasn't even been around for that long but he's like oh you're probably gonna die out in the jungle <laughs> you mm-hmm. know
1: yeah mm-hmm. but once again, desmond playing the, the virtuous one in this morality play basically says all right brother i'll take it and i'll also give you some golf you know <laughs> help yeah, you with your golf like, for friendly <laughs> i'm here to help you <laughs> i'm the kind scottish man that everyone loves because mm-hmm. I am trying to save people, even though everyone else is, you know, even though you're cynical and think it's every man for himself. So,
0: yep, yeah. Thank goodness for Desmond. <clears throat> yeah, I, I have to say it's funny. Like in a rewatch, how you're just kind of like, okay, all right, you know, like the moments like this are not as exciting, you know, because the first, it's like really the first time you watch it, you're like. Wait a minute, Desmond just knew where lightning was going to strike? Yeah. What the heck? You know, and in the rewatch you're like, okay, l- let's get to the, you know, let's get <laughs> to the eventual reveal and so like flashes before your eyes episode. Um but man, the first time like the first time watching these episodes where we're realizing that Desmond has something funky going on, that's that's one of the all-time one of my all-time favorite like storylines of the show like I love I loved that it was like veering more into like weird Mm -hmm. sci-fi stuff like I just I love it so much um I know that's where some people like started especially like getting frustrated with the show the more it would do stuff like that and I'm like this is this is amazing I love it so much
1: (laughs) so good yeah We'll get there. We'll get into yep. it. It's coming. But uh, for now, we'll leave Every Man for Himself. Like I said, solid episode. Uh, I like it a lot more than you know yeah. I thought I would, maybe. It's, uh, it's kind of one you overlook, but fascinating to explore, Sawyer. Um, and so that'll do it for this one. And then next time, we're going to talk about the cost of living Mm -hmm. the mr echo episode and uh it'll be interesting to see mr echo and see where they're going to take his character i can't wait i'm looking forward to this one and a lot more echo episodes to come it's Mm going to be
0: yeah i'm
1: sure i mean he's one of the best characters they can't you know they've got to have a lot more echo episodes so
0: yeah they've they haven't used him very much this season but i i think there's a lot in store yeah
1: Mm mm-hmm and I hear he loves being on the show, the actor, so, you know.
0: <laughs> He's got major plans.
1: <laughs> major plans to be on this show forever. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> yep. Yep. I like I like to think people are listening to this for the first time going, "What? what okay, what's going to happen with Mr. Echo?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately we'll get there
1: uh but for now thanks uh as always for talking lost with me bro always a good time
0: yeah thank you and
1: uh, thank you everyone for listening and until next time we will see you in another episode brothers
0: bye
3: Bye.